0: welcome to the podcast of harvest baptist church in harvest alabama we invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into god's word with our pastor dr al Piringer.
1: if you have your bibles this morning turn with me to revelation chapter 2 uh, verses 8 through 11 this morning we're going to be uh, looking um, at the back of the book at the beginning of the back of the book if you will uh, this morning uh, because uh, last summer I don't know if you remember this or not, but last summer, the, uh, one of the Southern Baptist uh, Sunday School quarterlies, they did a series in the summer on the seven churches of Revelation, and they called it, What a Church That God uh, Desires. And it got me to thinking about you know, how in Scripture uh, there's a lot of things that Jesus has told us about, and we can learn from the Old Testament as well about worship and the type of church uh, that God expects us to have. Um, You know, pastors think about that quite a bit, and and deacons uh, also think about what type of church do we want to look like, what type of church do we want to be to the community. And even church members at times, they will have their ideas of the type of church uh, that we should have. But Jesus has said some things about the type of church that he expects, the type of church that he desires and so it's important to think about those things because he is ultimately the head of the church and what he has to say about it should take precedent over any of the other opinions that we might come with. Uh, Jesus tells us you know about these truths throughout the Bible but particularly here in this part of Revelation you know he has given some messages to the Apostle John for seven churches that were in Asia, Asia Minor and we find those Churches in Revelation chapter two and chapter three, and so this morning we're going to be looking at the second message, the one to the church um, at Smyrna. But before we get there, I just kind of want to set the stage for a minute about the book of Revelation. You know, we're not—it's not very far into it—but just kind of set the stage. You know, the Apostle John uh, is the writer of the book of Revelation, and at this time he has been exiled to the island of Patmos because of his faith, because uh, he was faithful to the word of God. And so the church during this time is being persecuted by the Roman Empire. So on the Lord's day, the apostle John was in the spirit, the scripture says, and he saw a vision of the Lord Jesus Christ. He heard someone speaking behind him and he turns around, and he sees the Lord Jesus Christ, and immediately he falls down at his feet, and that's one of the uh, the interesting things uh, about the Apostle John, that here is someone who spent time, a lot of time, with uh, the, the Lord Jesus Christ. He was called the apostle, uh, the disciple that Jesus loved, and yet the first glimpse that he gets of the glorified and risen Lord Jesus Christ in this context, he falls down at his feet as though he were dead. And Jesus tells him, you know, fear not, um, and he gives him some instructions of, uh, to write these messages to the seven churches uh, that are in Asia Minor. And so the, the messages kind of follow a formula, if you will. Uh, Jesus said this in, in Revelation chapter 1, I want you to write down the things that you have seen, seen, the things that are, and the things that will take place after this. And so there's kind of a, a little format, if you will, there. And so we know because there has been persecution going on in the Roman Empire, in Smyrna, there is a lot of persecution. And so they are in, involved in this as well, but they are faithfully enduring this time of tribulation and persecution. And so, you know, the message that Jesus gives to the church at Smyrna is a message that while we face trials and tribulations and persecution, he has promised that he would be there with us. You know, he has promised that, he has told us that he has been through trials and tribulation and persecution, and and he's told us that we're gonna have that in this world and certainly if you read uh, the passages of scripture in the old testament and in the new testament that is absolutely true and so even today we're experiencing trials and and tribulations with all of the things that's going on in the world and in each of our lives there is trial and tribulation there's trial and tribulation at times in the life of the church and there are places in the world and You know, even in in our nation today, where you know the church is experiencing tribulation, the church around the world, there are places where there is persecution, much like you know what we we saw in the Roman Empire, and so there are times, you know, even where, like I said, in our country, we've experienced this, Um, and so Jesus is going to give us, you know, a, a glimpse of the things that were. The things that are and the things that that are yet to come and i think it's safe to say that we will experience more persecution in the future so jesus has not left us behind that's one thing that we want to see this morning he's still on the throne and he still has given the church a mission to carry the gospel to the ends of the world, until he returns, regardless of the circumstances that are going on in the world, regardless of the circumstances in our own personal lives, it is his desire for us as church members and as the body of Christ as a whole to endure the tribulation and persecution that comes faithfully. And so fear of of tribulation or persecution that is to come in the future, it may hinder us as believers and as, as ones who are serving the church to carry out the mission that Christ has given us. You know, the, all of these things that are going on in the world. But Jesus has already defeated his enemies and so we have that to hang our hope on and to, and to encourage our faithfulness. There is no need to fear tribulation now or in the future because Jesus Christ has conquered all all of these enemies for his people for the people who are faithful and will persevere until uh, until their death or until he returns and so in our passage this morning I want us to see four reasons that why we do not have to fear tribulation now or the tribulation that is to come uh, let's read the passage together if you'll stand to, with me this morning in reverence to the reading of God's Word And John writes uh, this message from Jesus, and to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, the words of the first and the last who died and who came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich and the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and for 10 days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that uh, you have uh, taken our sins and and thrown them into the deep blue sea as far as the east is from the west. And Lord, we know that your word can convict us and change us. So we ask you now this morning to send the Holy Spirit uh, to teach us this morning that we may say great things in your word. And may the uh, the Spirit have free reign this morning to do as he wills. In Christ's name, amen. So here's the first reason why we do not need to fear tribulation. We do not need to fear tribulation because of who Jesus is. In verse 1, Jesus tells us, who he is and who it is that is sending this message. He says that he is the first and the last, the one who died and yet came to life. So Jesus has already used this description before in Revelation chapter 1, 17 and 18. He says, fear not, I am the first and the last, the living one. I died and behold, I'm alive forevermore. And so Jesus is telling us here about his identity. Jesus says that he is the first and the last. Uh, that he died and he came to life. And so let's look at what that means. First of all, he says that he is the first and the last. And and the first means that he was with God in the beginning when all things were created. The same John who writes Revelation writes in uh, John chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the, uh, the Word was with God, and the Word was God." At the beginning of his gospel, Jesus, uh, John is looking back uh, to Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Jesus was there as part of the of the Trinity. He was there over the waters. He is the first. He is also the last. We see this in the book of the in in, in book of in Revelation that you know the the depictions of Jesus as glorified and risen and returning. He says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. He is, the, he is here at the end and he is coming back uh, not as um, the suffering servant, but he is coming back as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He, will, he is at the end uh, of the book where, where we win because of his finished work. Uh, Paul in the book of Colossians you know, tells us that Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. All things were created by Him and for Him, and that means that He is preeminent. And this is part of the meaning that uh, of being first. He's preeminent. Jesus also lived. If He died, it uh, stands to reason that He that He also lived for 33 years. He lived on planet Earth. He lived a perfectly righteous life and kept the law completely. Uh, fulfilling all of the promises of God that were given in the Old Testament and that God had given to send a Savior uh, into our fallen and sinful world to die in our place for our sins. And so Jesus also died. He was crucified in in the Roman Empire. Uh, He suffered a horrible, painful death. If you look at the descriptions uh, of crucifixion uh, in Scripture, and then if you read other, um, other books and items about how crucifixion was carried out in the Roman Empire, it was a painful and horrible death. And yet, just as, as the scripture says, he lives again. He lives forevermore. Uh, he came back to life. He came out of that tomb. And the Bible says that the apostles... And, and many, many others, including John here, saw him alive after he came out of that tomb, and then they saw him ascend back to the Father, and that's where he is today. He has returned uh, to the Father, and he lives forevermore. And his resurrection shows us that God accepted his sacrifice, and now, you know, he sits at the right hand of God the Father, and so he can intercede for us on our behalf, and so the, his resurrection defeated death. Because he defeated death, Jesus is sovereign. He has been given all authority in heaven and, in earth, and on the earth. Everything in creation belongs to him and is under his authority. The Bible says that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The rest of the book of Revelation gives us just a glimpse uh, of his glory, we've already seen a, a small glimpse of that. Uh, and it also tells us how all of these things are gonna come about, that everything in creation is going to be placed under his authority. Uh, but that is a whole bunch of other sermons that would take years to get through. So we're gonna stay right here where we are. The identity of Jesus uh, should give us great hope. He's sovereign, he's in control, you know, he has given us His identity, our identity is no longer found in in our sin or in what we do or, or the things that are going around us. If you're a child of God, your identity is the Lord Jesus Christ. He has given you his righteousness and taken all of your sin and your shame. And so because Jesus lived and died, we have this promise that we also will be raised just like him. We will have a glorified body just like him uh, when he returns. Uh, and and all, of, uh, all of those who are dead in Christ are raised again. The identity of Jesus should encourage us that we do not have to fear any of the trials or tribulations that come now or in the future because he's the first and the last. He has lived and he has died and he has defeated death by his resurrection. And so what happens, what happens after that Um, It it belongs to to remain as a part of his identity, and that is where our faith and our hope is. So the second reason that we do not need to fear tribulation is because of what Jesus knows. In verse 9, Jesus tells us that he knows about the church in Smyrna. We read in verse 9, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue... Of Satan, so the church in Smyrna was facing an incredible amount of persecution during this time, and, and because of this, uh, many believers in the city had a poor existence. They were looked down upon. They were ridiculed. You know, the 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 name Smyrna has the meaning uh, uh, has a, a a meaning that's related to the word bitter. And the circumstances of the church in Smyrna at this time could be described as being bitter. Now, in the Roman Empire, the city of Smyrna was the center of the Roman emperor worship that was going on during that time. Smyrna had built a a temple uh, in the city to Tiberius, and they beat out 11 other cities. In, in the empire to have the, the honor, if you will, uh, of building this temple uh, to Tiberius. And so the worship of Caesar that was going on in the Roman Empire played a very uh, huge role in the, in the activities of the city of Smyrna. Uh, and it also, you know, it was a big thing in, in Asia Minor, the province there that the seven churches were in, but it was a really big deal um, in Smyrna. And so this is during the time of the reign of the Roman Emperor Domitian. Um, And so he, during this time, issued a decree that all Roman citizens were required every year to come to the temple and burn incense in honor of Caesar and say, Caesar is Lord. And so even though in some ways most people in, in, in the city would have probably seen this more as a political act. Uh, you know, it wasn't that big a deal. Most Christians flat refused to do it. They believed that Jesus is Lord, amen? And that, and that there is no other. And so refusing when they said no, Jesus is Lord and I am not going to burn incense to Caesar it caused some economic hardship. They may not have been able to get a job. They may not have been able to provide for their families. And we've already talked about the ridicule that they would face because they didn't want to participate in declaring that someone else is Lord. And so um, the, this refusal by Christians to uh, not participate in the, uh, in the emperor worship, it was a little curious to them. You know, most of the time... The Roman Empire was very uh tolerant of of other religions the 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 uh motto that 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 they had would be uh, you know you worship our gods and we'll worship your gods, and we'll just all get along and we'll just all do that together and The Christians refused to do that they could they just couldn't see calling anyone uh, else uh, uh as lord and so you know, but the, the Roman citizens, if you were going to burn incense to Caesar, they would have been okay with it if you had to put your hand behind your back and cross your fingers. They, they'd been okay with that. So, you know, some people were very into it, but most people, they saw it as a political thing. And so the, uh, the true believer, if you are a true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no way that you can say that anyone else is Lord. And so this is why the believers in Smyrna were facing such persecution during this time. But Jesus tells them, I know what's going on. I know the circumstances that you're in. I know that you're in poverty, but you're rich. Now, why would Jesus say that? They were, they were rich because they were remaining faithful to the one who was the first and last, the King of kings and Lord of lords. They remained faithful in spite of the circumstances of the things that was going on around them. And, and Jesus recognizes this, that even though it seems that they are poor in the things that we would say make you rich in this world, they were rich in the things that account for eternity. And so Jesus also knows that there are those who were at this time uh, slandering the church. You know, maybe there were some people who were informants to the Roman Empire. Hey, you know, they haven't uh, they haven't burnt uh, incense uh, to Caesar. And and there was during this time when you performed that act, you got a certificate that said that you had done that for the year, and so you were good. And so they were they were checking on it. And so maybe there were informants. Um, most the the Jews um, enjoyed a little bit of protection from the Roman Empire, uh, with the uh, the Temple in Jerusalem um, and, and their ability to continue uh, to worship. The Jews um, enjoyed that a bit of protection, but uh, the and the Romans didn't see the the Christians as a as a problem up until a certain point they thought that the uh, christians were just another jewish sect and there were a lot of them and so they sort of flew under the radar if you will that that they were more or less jews well there are plenty of times in the New Testament where we see that the Jews, depending on the circumstances that were going on at the time as far as persecution, the Jews sometimes were all too happy to point out, no, 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 those Christians, they are not a part of us. They are something different. We call them heretics. And so at this point, that idea has seemed to have caught on in the Roman Empire that no, the Christians are not Jews. And so the persecution uh, began because of their refusal to declare that uh, Caesar is Lord, so the Bible tells us that uh, the true children of Abraham are those who have placed their faith in the lord Jesus Christ it 's not your uh, genetic descendants or anything else that de- that determines whether you are a believer or as Paul describes it, that you are uh, the true child of Abraham, the one question that you have to answer is who is Jesus Christ? And so when you answer that he is Lord, that you have placed your faith in him, those are Abraham's true children. Now Jesus says that these Jews who were were saying these slanderous things, he called them uh, a synagogue of Satan. And in the world uh, that, uh, that we see in the Bible, the way that God has laid out his plan of redemption, there are two types of people that are in the world. There are the children of uh, the, the woman, those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ or the seed of the woman, the uh, words from uh, Genesis. To, um, they're also the seed of the serpent. And so it is one or the other. And so there is a group that Jesus is calling a synagogue of Satan because they are slandering true believers. So what would Jesus say to us as a church today, as individuals today? What would he say to the church uh, in the United States? Uh, What would he say to us here at Harvest Baptist Church? You know, here's some things to think about. When we, where is it? that we're burning just a little bit of incense in our lives, the things that may keep us from worshiping uh, on Sunday morning and gathering with God's people. Is it politics? Are we more inclined to believe the things about one particular uh, political party uh, or the other uh, rather than seeing how God in his word has described to us the things that are taking place? You know, is it giving into a culture that is completely against what the Word of God says um, and, and, and allowing them to influence our thinking about what's going on in our lives? You know, we see here that the church in Smyrna is one of the two churches that were not given a public rebu- a rebuke by Jesus because they were being faithful during this time of tribulation and their time of poverty. They were faithful no matter what the circumstances were. So we need to turn away from burning just a little bit of incense at whatever altar in our life that we need to throw down and that we need to return back to the one true and living God and say that He is Lord and that there is no other because He is Lord and He is in control regardless of what our circumstances are. And so we come to the third reason that we do not need to fear tribulation, and that is because what Jesus commands. In verse 10, Jesus gives uh, some commands to the church in Smyrna. First, Jesus says, do not fear. How many times in scripture have we heard, do not fear? And so when John was stricken as though dead, do not fear. Jesus is repeating it here to the church in Smyrna as encouragement, do not fear, because he, um, he knows what they are about to suffer. you know, He says that the devil is about to put some of them into prison and for 10 days, they were going to be suffering tribulation. They've already been suffering tribulation to this point. We talked about the, uh, the, the business and the economic hardship, the ridicule that goes on. Jesus is saying, it's not gonna get better, it's, it's going to get worse. Uh, you're going to be put into prison And so there may have been uh, already some believers who were put into prison uh, because of their faith. And it seems that going forward, there was going to be more of this that was to come. And so why did Jesus tell them not to fear? Because their lives are in his hands they have his identity if they are a believer in Christ because he's the first and the last. He died and he lived again. He's already defeated Satan, he's already defeated death and Jesus knows that whatever it is that they have been going through, he knows that it's, that it's coming and what is going to happen. And so the 10 days here is symbolism for a short period of time. So meaning that this tribulation that was coming would be very short in duration. It'd be very, you know, 10 days is, is not a very long time. Uh, how many people have been trying to uh, go through the Bible reading plan that, uh, that has been in the newsletter and um, going through the last six weeks? Or you've started a Bible reading plan or you've ever started a Bible reading plan? Did you know that it takes 21 days uh, to form a habit? And so you will start something and then the first time and when you get to the middle, it's it's difficult, it's challenging. Oh, I forgot to read today. Oh, I forgot to do this today. Um, but once you get to 21 days, you can't forget about it. it, it it's, it's built in to your routine. It takes that amount of time to make it happen. And so in light of, 21 days, 10 days is a short period of time. Um, If you think about 10 days being 10 business days, we are two years into uh, 10 days, two weeks, if you will, if you want to use business days, uh, of stopping the spread uh, of the virus. 10 days is a short period of time. 10 days is short, particularly in light of eternity, because eternity is... Is forever. And so anything that we go through in this life, the pain, the suffering, the the tribulation that we face individually or that we face as a church, uh, as as God's believers, is very short in light of what eternity is going to be like. Um, You know, we have very short lifetimes in that light. There may be a time in the future where we will face. A similar kind of tribulation uh, and poverty that the church in Smyrna faced. I think you can say it's safe to say that's guaranteed. It may not be in our lifetime. It will probably be in our children, in our grandchildren's lifetime as things continue uh, the way that they are in, in society and culture in the world. And Jesus has already told us it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. And so the four the church in Smyrna at this time, there was the imminent possibility that they were going to be experiencing tribulation. And when Jesus told believers, you know, if you would follow me, you must deny yourself and take up your cross. The believers in that time and, and the believers in, in Smyrna, I'm sure understood exactly what that meant. Being put into prison during the, Roman, during the time of the Roman empire, it was not a form of punishment. It was, you're about to have a trial and more than likely, you're going to be executed. So the idea of taking up your cross, the, the, the believers you know, in, in this New Testament period, they understood exactly what that was about. And so in the gospels, um, we, we, we see where Jesus warns us uh, of, uh, of that imagery. And so the believers in Smyrna are, um, are being told by Jesus what is to come and they should not fear it because you know, he has already overcome death and eternity is forever in light of our own lives. And so that brings us to the, the fourth and final reason. We do not need to fear tribulation because of what Jesus promises. In verse 10, Jesus gives these commands to be not be feared, to not be afraid and to be faithful. Uh, but then um, he makes... Uh, some promises to the believers of what they can expect. Jesus says that uh, those who endure to the end will receive the crown of life. And in uh, the crown of life, there's imagery here. Uh, I think of the games, sort of the forerunners to the Olympic games uh, that that we have today, where the winner of the race or the event that was going on, they would receive a crown that was a garland of flowers that would be put on their head. It, some people, they sometimes called it the crown of the city. It was you know, an honor that if you won the games uh, to, to win this crown. And so the New Testament uses this imagery to describe the life that we will have in eternity uh, with the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, that there is a crown of life that we have come through death into life and to live with uh, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ for eternity. Uh, Jesus shows us how the crowned life is related to the trials that we face. James does in James chapter 1, verse 12. He said, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God promised to those who love him. The crown of life means that after all of the tribulation and all of the hardship and all of the things that we have gone through in this life, that we will have finally made it to our eternal home. We will live with him forever. In Romans chapter 8, verses 35 to 39, Paul writes, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written... For your, for your sake we are being killed all the day long, and we are regarded as sheep for the slaughter. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. our Lord." Paul tells us in light of the identity of the Lord Jesus Christ that he is the first and the last. He died and he came to life, yet that he has conquered everything and we are conquerors with him. There is no enemy that has not been defeated by the Lord Jesus Christ. So anything that happens to us as tribulation persecution or suffering we can endure faithfully because we he is with us and he has promised us that all of these things are are small in compared to compared to eternity he also says that the one who conquers will not face or will not face and does not need to fear the second death the second death is described at the end of the book of Revelation uh, as the wrath of God that is going to be poured out on all unbelievers at the end of time when God judges um, that, and the, the question on the test is, who is Jesus Christ? Did you believe in him or not? If you did not, you are um, liable to experience uh, the second death. It's God's judgment, you know, and it, as, it is eternally, just as long as what we have been describing about the glorious life in Jesus Christ, the second death is also eternal. And so I've heard this saying many times from from different preachers, um, born once, die twice. Born twice, die once. In order to conquer uh, the, uh, the second death, in order to have your identity found in the Lord Jesus Christ, You have to be born again. You must place your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ that he has taken your penalty uh, for your sins and that he offers you uh, his righteousness and eternal life uh, through his grace and mercy. So there will be times in the future that we're gonna face tribulation and you can take it to the bank that we will face tribulation. There are enough trouble, uh, there's enough trouble for each day. But Jesus is with us. He has told us his identity. He has told us that he is the first and last, that he has seen death. And so that should encourage us that we need not fear what is happening around us and that we can remain faithful uh, to him until we die or until he returns. So in conclusion this morning, the beginning of verse 11 says, he that has ears to hear let him hear what the Spirit says. And so as we're coming to the end here, um, I just want to, uh, to, to share with you that each of us is at a crossroads. We need to reflect on the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, the words that he gave to these believers back then and that they have been preserved for us uh, for today. And we need to see if there's something that the Spirit may be telling us that we need to hear. Now, if you're a believer Are you trusting in your own identity or are you trusting in the identity that has been given to you through the grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ? There are believers today who face tribulation because of their faith. And we know that that is going to continue. But there will come a time where in in the midst of that, the Spirit can impress upon us that our identity is not found in all of the things that we see in this creation Our identity is found in Jesus Christ. And it's that identity that sustains us through the times of trouble that we're going to face and that that we will see as persecution increases. It may be this morning that you need to pray where you are or even come to the altar and ask the Lord to cement in your mind who your identity is in the Lord Jesus Christ if you're a believer. Jesus knows that we will be that we will have trials and temptations and we will be tested and there's comfort in the fact that he knows that we're going to face these things and he's promised us that he will be with us and that as we are faithful when we when we see him in glory it will be seen as all worth it we have a high priest who has faced all of the things that we faced yet he did not sin and so there's comfort in that And so thank him today that he has promised to be with us no no matter what the circumstances are in our life. And Jesus tells us to not be afraid uh, of what may come uh, and to remain faithful. And so if you have struggled with in your life how to respond to tribulation and, and, and trials in your own life or in the life of your family, You know, pray that he would impress upon you again his identity and his faithfulness to you because he is gracious and merciful. And if you failed at times uh, of how you respond to things that happen in your life, he will forgive you of that and he will restore you uh, to the joy of of your salvation. Now, maybe you're here this morning and your identity is not found in the Lord Jesus Christ. You have never placed your faith and trust uh, in him and been forgiven of your sins. You know, for you, there are trials and tribulations also in this life, in all of the circumstances. But there's also the, the, the trial and tribulation that will come that ultimately results in, in, in the second death that you will experience on your own uh, God's eternal punishment uh, for your sin. Because we live in this fallen world, there is trouble every day. But Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so if you take his yoke upon you, if you place your trust in him, he is faithful and just and he will forgive you of your sins. He will, he will make you a son or a daughter uh, of, uh, of the one true and living God. You will become brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ, adopted into his family, and then you will have his presence with you and his identity to be able to face the things uh, that will come. If you have never placed your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, uh, I will be down here at the front and I would love to talk to, with you about how you can know and have a relationship with the one and true and living God.
0: Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at kidsquest underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening and God bless.